I'm Doug Anderson with Lucetta Ranch in Rio Grande City, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. So glad to be back with you for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we just finished wrapping up planting the 2022 cotton crop here in Texas. So now it's time to start cotton harvest. That's right, the nation's first bale of cotton has been harvested in the Rio Grande Valley. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. We've been told that what it will take to really get hemp going in the Texas High Plains is to have somebody ready to buy that crop when it's harvested. I'm James Hunt and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll talk about plans for a hemp processing plant in Dumas. As Americans are set to celebrate the 246th anniversary of our nation's independence, Special care needs to be taken here in Texas with fireworks and outdoor grilling due to the ongoing statewide drought. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have some safety precautions on Texas Ag Today. Vegetable gardening in Texas is a real challenge this year. Please join me, John Begno, as we talk about gardening in the summertime. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The first bale of cotton in the nation has been harvested and ginned in the Rio Grande Valley. Sam Simmons is chairman of the Harlingen Cotton Committee. Well, the first bale of cotton for the 2022 season was harvested by Wesley Vanderpool in uh, Willacy County. Uh, it was delivered to Willacy Co-op on the 23rd of June. The amount of seed cotton was, uh, I believe, 1,980 pounds. Simmons says the first bale was a Stoneville variety, and proceeds from it will go to a good cause. We have our annual first bale auction and scholarship fundraiser on the 15th of September. Uh, every year, the funds from the auction of the first bale, as well as any additions and sponsorships go to fund scholarships for students within our region in an ag or ag-related field. This is the third time the Vanderpool family has harvested the first bale in the nation. The new Texas crop ratings are out and not much has changed. Texas still has one of the worst corn crops in the nation with 24% rated good to excellent, 38% fair, and 38% rated poor to very poor. But some of that good corn is down in the Rio Grande Valley. Bryce Wildey says he started harvesting corn this week, and some timely rains this season have made for a great crop. Uh, historically, we haven't been the best of corn growers in Willis County, but you know this year with the situation we've been in, the, the kind of corn that's being grown is pretty fantastic. The crop progress report doesn't show any sorghum harvest progress yet, but Wildey says he's just about done harvesting what is an excellent sorghum crop in the valley. 
Wheat harvest now 80% done here in Texas, putting the wraps on a very disappointing crop in many areas of the state. Donna Hughes is a senior risk management consultant with Stonex in Abilene. She says it was not a good year for wheat in her part of Texas. You know, we just wrapped up uh, wheat harvest, um, you know, in in Texas uh, for most parts. And, you know, obviously the season was uh, disappointing for many, um, you know, if if crops weren't disastered out because of the uh, weather, um, you know, yields were were off a lot, um, you know, from where they generally are. Donna Hughes with Stonex in Abilene. The U.S. Supreme Court has denied a petition by RCAF USA to consider its legal challenge to the beef checkoff. RCAF filed a lawsuit against the Montana Beef Council four years ago, saying the checkoff funded private speech instead of government speech. That lawsuit was dismissed in January of 2020, but RCAF filed a new legal challenge, which was rejected by the Ninth District Court of Appeals. Plans are still moving forward for a hemp processing plant in Dumas. James Hunt tells us what that plant will be making from the new crop. We're not CBD, and we're certainly not marijuana, so I'd like to lead with that pretty quickly to get that out there. That's Kyle Huttenlocker, the CEO of Environmental Living Industries, telling us what the company, also known as Eli, won't be producing at its hemp plant in Dumas. What the plant will be in the business of is industrial hemp. In general, it's the fiber from the stock, and it's separated from the herd, which is a woody interior of the stock. And the people we'll be selling to will take this material and use it for things like paper, cordage, packing materials, construction materials, insulation. We can do lumber replacement options with this. And then there's even more kind of complex late stage applications for it that are like bioplastics and things like that, body composite panels for automobiles. So really, the sky's the limit. There's so many different things that we're looking at, just thousands of different industries to market to. Hutton Locker says the $43 million facility will be capable of processing about 10 tons of hemp per hour. But there's lots to get done before operations can begin, including getting the money together. Fundraising is going well. We've generated a lot of tremendous interest in the investor market for this particular project, both locally and nationally. So we're very excited that we will be able to wrap up our fundraising as early as October of this year. After that, Hutton Locker says it's on to developing the facility with a goal of being fully operational by the third quarter of 2023. So what do the plans for this hemp processing plant mean for area farmers? Kyle Huttenlocker talks about that in tomorrow's report. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Wildfires have burned hundreds of thousands of acres of Texas farm and ranch land this year. Tom Nicoletti says the risk of more fires is big this holiday weekend. My guest today from Lufkin is Karen Stafford. She is with the Texas A&M Forest Service. She serves as State Fire Prevention Program Coordinator. And uh, Karen, currently, uh, how many counties of the 254 in Texas are under an outdoor burn ban? Currently, we're looking at 170 counties with burn bans in Texas. And certainly that number may go up by the July 4th weekend holiday and uh, what is the best advice uh, that you need to uh, let uh, our listeners know about uh, in regards to uh, 
being safe out there when it comes to fireworks? Absolutely, fireworks are a concern leading into the Independence Day holiday coming up. And so we just ask everybody to first check with your local restrictions and make sure there's not any kind of a ban or restriction on fireworks that's been put in place by your county government. And if you are going to be using fireworks, if they are allowed, monitor your weather conditions, be aware of any kind of strong winds that could carry those sparks. Never light your fireworks near dry grass. Try to look for a mowed area, a parking lot, some type of a plowed field. Always have a water source on hand or just some wet towels and a bucket of water can help. And then always fully extinguish your fireworks into a bucket of water when you're finished. A lot of people will be grilling outdoors and with the Texas drought currently uh, persisting across the state, uh, people need to be careful when grilling. Yes, absolutely. So again, monitor those weather conditions. Avoid grilling on windy days when that those high winds may blow the ashes and the sparks out of your grill. Place your grill in an open space away from tall grass and any other flammable materials. Never leave that grill unattended. And again, always allow those coals to completely cool before disposing of them. That is Karen Stafford with the Texas A&M Forest Service. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Vegetable gardening in Texas is a real challenge this year. San Angelo horticulturalist John Begno takes a look at gardening in the Texas summertime. Well, vegetable gardening this year is so different than it was last year where we had a little more moisture statewide and much cooler temperatures. And if you are a vegetable gardener, whether it's in containers or in the ground, you might be seeing some of the challenges that we're seeing. And that's especially true in the exceptional hot areas of West Texas. If you go to the grocery store, you sometimes buy vegetables that aren't as sweet in the case of cantaloupe that you'd like, or maybe even a little bitter in the case of cucumbers. And, you know, people don't plant varieties that are naturally bad tasting. It's the environment that affects them. And the same thing is true of your vegetable gardening. When you have exceptionally warm temperatures in the case of vegetables that are trying to fill out and grow like squash or cucumbers or so forth, they can be bitter if they're not growing rapidly and have adequate moisture in the cool enough nights for them to fill out properly. That's what happens. You also see reduced blooming in the case of tomatoes and a lot of other vegetables. When temperatures are approaching 100 or more, they can even shed their flowers or not pollinate because some vegetables, the pollen becomes sterile when it's very, very hot and sometimes dry winds. And so your production rate or your your produce amount is going to be greatly reduced. And so some of us are making decisions. Should we keep gardening, continue to water, maybe even fertilize, looking at the future the next month or six weeks or two months in Texas, summertime of not getting very edible produce. And so that's a decision you make. Usually the things like okra are going to perform very well in the hot, dry conditions. Tomatoes and peppers can take a break, so we'll keep them alive. But things like squash and beans and things, we may just fade those out and wait to plant a fall garden. Now, we do plant pumpkins in Texas along in the next two to three weeks, depending upon what area of Texas you're in, so that we can have them ready for October for Halloween. Squash, usually, if you get a little break in the weather, you can plant and in 30 to 45 days, you can get a crop. So just monitor your garden closely. If it's unproductive, make the selection of those you keep and those you don't. Reporting from San Angelo for Texas Ag Today, this is John Begno. For the first time in six years, the Trans-Pecos Wildlife Conference is returning to Alpine. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And stem cells are being studied to help heal wounds in horses. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Take the Path Less Traveled and learn about the diversity of agriculture in the Lone Star State. It's a little education and a whole lot of fun. Texas farmers and ranchers between the ages of 18 and 35 can join the Texas Farm Bureau Young Farmer and Rancher Fall Tour, September 9th through the 11th in Amarillo, Texas. Learn about the diversity of Texas agriculture in the Amarillo area. Develop a network with other young producers across the state. Fellowship with one another and make new friends. Registration is open now. Visit TexasFarmBureau.org to register. The Texas Farm Bureau Young Farmers and Ranchers Fall Tour. The registration deadline is August 4th. Reserve your spot today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Stem cells are being studied to help heal wounds in horses. Dr. Bob Judd says these studies show a lot of promise. Skin wounds, especially on the lower legs of horses, are extremely difficult to heal. Dr. Oliver Lapage from France indicates in the horse publication that these lower leg wounds have biofilms that delay healing and proud flesh also prevents healing. In one study, mesenchymal stem cells harvested from the mouth of one horse led to improved healing of other horses' open body and leg wounds. Mesenchymal stem cells have shown promise helping other difficult wounds such as tendons heal. Indicates the mouth has great potential for healing as it seems all cuts in the oral cavity heal really quickly. The study involved eight one-inch wounds made on horses over the cannon bones and ribs, and the wounds were not covered after surgery. The researchers then took a one-square-inch tissue from another horse's mouth and extracted stem cells from it. The researchers treated some wounds with hyaluronic acid gel only, some with stem cells plus hyaluronic gel, some with secretome from the stem cells plus hyaluronic gel, and some were not treated at all. Some wounds were treated for two days and some for four days. The wounds were all bandaged after treatment, and the bandage changed daily for four days, then every four days for 16 days. Then the bandage was removed. Wounds on the body that were treated healed faster. On the leg wounds, the hyaluronic acid wounds alone healed the quickest. The wounds treated with added stem cells appeared to have increased contraction and epithelialization, but only in the first two weeks. However, all wounds still develop proud flesh, which may have been due to the bandage on the leg wounds. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. For the first time in six years, the Trans-Pecos Wildlife Conference is returning to Alpine. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. In just a few weeks, landowners, land managers, and wildlife enthusiasts will gather in Alpine for the first time since 2016 for the Trans-Pecos Wildlife Conference. The conference will be held August 4th and 5th at Sol Ross State University. The educational and engaging event is hosted by the Texas Wildlife Association, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, and the Borderlands Research Institute. Event organizers say the goal of the conference is to address the needs of land owners and managers, and will cover topics on big game species like pronghorn, audad, bighorn sheep, and mule deer. Speakers will also cover topics related to non-game species like black bears and songbirds. The event will also include discussion on energy development and conservation planning, as well as landowner support programs for habitat restoration activities. The conference begins August 4th 
with information on management strategies, recent research updates, and conservation opportunities for the region. On Friday, August 5th, there will be a half-day field tour to demonstrate various habitat management prescriptions, enhancing plant identification skills, and discussion on on on-the-ground wildlife management on several private ranches. Cost for the conference is $75 if you register before July 25th and $100 thereafter. Space is limited. You can register on the events page on the Texas Wildlife Association website. That is texas-wildlife.org. Click on Resources and then Events. That's texas-wildlife.org. Again, that's texas-wildlife.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market continued to drift lower on Wednesday, but we finally saw a bounce back in the cotton market. We'll check out all of Wednesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Attention farmers and ranchers ages 18 to 35. Texas Farm Bureau has an amazing opportunity to highlight individual achievements, discuss complex agricultural issues, share your Texas Ag story, and be rewarded. Full-time producers can apply for the Outstanding Young Farmer and Rancher Contest for a chance to win a $60,000 prize package. Part-time producers and those individuals involved in other ag industries can participate in the Excellence in Agriculture Contest for a chance to win a $15,000 prize package. Actively contributing and growing in agriculture and the Texas Farm Bureau has its benefits like cash prizes and recognition for a job well done. For more details and an application, visit texasfarmbureau.org. Applications are due August 4th. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It was another day of a mostly lower trade in the cattle market on Wednesday. Most of our cattle contracts closing lower, the exception being that nearby June live cattle contract. Of course, it's about ready to expire, so it continues to creep higher to meet the cash market. It was up 50 cents at 136.80. The deferred contracts mostly lower. August live cattle down 55 at 132.17. October down 50 cents, 138.90. Feeder market lower across the board. August feeders down $1.10 at 170, 72. September feeder cattle down $1.17, 173.77, while October feeders were down $1.10 at 176.40. Cash fed cattle market picked up a bit on Wednesday. We sold cattle here in Texas at 138, steady to a dollar lower compared to last week, but we still see that huge spread between the north and the south. Up north in Nebraska, packers were bidding 148, but the feedlots passed it, so no sales reported, but we did have a 148 bid reported. The online fed cattle exchange sold Wednesday. Only one lot of cattle sold, 265 head of Texas cattle. They sold at 138. Boxed beef prices lower Wednesday. Choice down $1.59 at 265.55. Select down $1.98. 24133. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. 
There's cattle in the alleyway at Three Rivers down at Live Oak Livestock Three Rivers. Riley Road sold them on Monday. They're shipping them out today. Riley, how did it go? Uh, pretty much steady with what it was last week uh, across the board, Larry. Um, cow, they took a little bit of money off Packer cows, but uh, they still sold well. Uh, ended up with 1,634 head today. Uh, did have some pairs, sold anywhere from 825 up to 1375. Uh, the bred cows from 700 to 1125. Packer cows, your high yielding cows, 84 to 92. The breakers, 78 to 84. And the canners, 38 to 62. High yielding Packer bulls, a dollar to dollar six. Low to medium yielding, 84 up to a dollar. Two to three weight choice steers, 170 to 192. The heifer mates, 142 to 168. Three to four weight choice steers, 174 to 194. The heifer mates, 148 to 164. Four to five weight choice steers, 170 to 190. The heifer mates, 140 to 156. Uh, five to six weight choice steers, 152 to 174. The heifer mates, 138 to 154. Six to seven weight choice steers, 142 to 160. The heifer mates, 126 to 140. And the seven to eight weight cattle, your choice steers, 124 to 144. The heifer mates, 116 to 134. So uh, please with it. Uh, turned out real well. We're been, uh, kind of showering around down this way today, so uh, we're sure hoping to, we're going to get some rain during this holiday and, and uh, get everybody good and wet. That'd be a good present for the 4th of July. Sure will, and no sale Monday. No sale this coming Monday for the 4th, and uh, we'll be back open on uh, July the 11th. Tell everybody how to contact you, Riley Rhodes. 361-786-2553 is the office. Uh, 361-813-6650 is the cell. Uh, LiveOakLivestock.com is the web. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. And neighbor, we appreciate you too. And I appreciate you so much. I'm going to do another walk in the pens here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network just for you tomorrow. Until then, good day. Thank you, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs finished the day lower. July hogs dropped 52 cents to close at 109.40. August down 25 cents. 103.57. Class 3 milk was higher Wednesday. July milk up 14 cents, 22.76 a hundredweight. August milk up 10 at 23.26 a hundred. The cotton market finally had enough and bounced back higher on Wednesday, and it was a strong bounce. We have a couple of factors in the market right now. Of course, we have a big acreage report coming out Thursday morning from USDA. Also, we're here at the end of the month, so both of those events causing some short covering and position squaring. We close with the October contract up 359 points, 104.98. December cotton limit up 400 points to close at 97.48 cents. The corn market was mixed with the old crop higher, new crop lower. July corn up 10 and three quarters, 770 and a quarter. September corn down five and three quarters, six sixty-four a bushel. December corn off five and a half at six fifty-three and three quarters. Not much movement in the wheat market on Wednesday. July Kansas City wheat was up one and a half, nine eighty-five and a quarter. July Chicago wheat down five and three quarters, nine fifteen and a half. In the energy markets, August natural gas down a nickel, six fifty-one. August crude oil down two thirty-two at one oh nine forty-four a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Wednesday afternoon. The Dow up 69 points, 31,020. The Nasdaq down 14 at 11,167. The S&P down 4, 3,817. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website 
at texasfarmbureau.org or dfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thank you.